This is the Mike Lupica Podcast. This podcast is great because your enthusiasms, it's why we've all been reading you for so long. This is a great vehicle for you to actually get to in a long-form way, explore those enthusiasms, sometimes with the perspective of an additional 10 or 20 years. Thanks for doing this today, pal. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having the me. fun of this is, I just talk to guys that I want to talk to. That's what, to me, is such a blast about listening to your show. First of all, the first time I ever saw Bernie on television, I started to talk like him <laughs> as I was watching him. <laughs> Can you imagine a great Michael Jordan saying, hey, you know what? We can't beat the Pistons. Let me go join them. The essence of sports is about competition. In your face questions. How much of a dope is he? Compelling. A billion dollar industry, the biggest we've ever had in sports in this country, often comes down to a flip of the coin. This is the Mike Lupica Podcast. Here's Mike Lupica. Mike Lupica. Hello, and thanks for joining us on the Mike Lupica Podcast. Today's guest is one of the best NBA reporters and writers in the business. Writes for The Athletic, appears on ESPN's Around the Horn. You see him on PTI a lot. Has his own radio show on Sirius XM NBA Radio, the starting lineup. He is my buddy, Frank Isola. But before we get started with Frank, a word from our sponsor, Geico. Everybody's got a to-do list. Drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk. Here's an idea. Let's add, save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. And the good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to geico.com and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Extra money in your pocket? It just may be the most rewarding to-do you do today. Welcome back to the Mike Lubica podcast. It's been too long since we've had my man Frank Isola on. Um, there is no better basketball writer in the business, uh, no better reporter, no better columnist. We were uh, running mates for years and years at the New York Daily News. We were in the same foxhole together at Madison Square Garden. Frank now writes for The Athletic. You see him on Around the Horn. You see him more frequently on Pardon the Interruption. He does his own uh, show on Sirius uh, Radio. Uh, and uh, he. we are happy to have him back today. Hey, Frankie. Mike, I guess you, you, it seems like you were probably waiting for baseball to be finished since, you know, October is such a baseball-dominant month. So then it's, you're finally, finally having me on. Frankie. you me for a while. How crazy was what? What do they call it? The sports equinox um, last weekend, where not only all four major leagues, but another league, Tiger Woods, was in play. And Frank, were we the only people who thought that the biggest football game played on on Sunday <laughs> was between Liverpool and Tottenham? Yeah, that was. A, you know what's always so great too about those games? The time of them is perfect because if you're a huge NFL fan, those games will be over before the NFL games come on, so you could still kind of get your NFL fix. Now, Sunday, you know, here in New York was a good day for sports because there were so many things going on, and it was raining out, so you didn't have to feel guilty about sitting in front of your TV and not doing anything because Mother Nature kind of cooperated on Sunday. Frankie, the world is caught. We're going to get to basketball and, and, and stuff in one second because that's why I always have Frank on. Frankie, the world has caught up to you on what they call football, we call soccer, because you always loved it. I can remember when you were writing a column about it for the Daily News, and I said, what the hell are you doing, Frank? And now, <laughs> no, but you know, because because uh, Alex and Zach played high school soccer, and Zach turned out to be great on the greatest team in the history of his, uh, of, of his school up in, in Connecticut. 
I have now fallen in love with this team. I don't know who your team is. I, I've got, I'm kind of partial to Liverpool now. Um, and, and I, I, I love turning on these games and, and watching them. And I'll tell you something else. NBC was ahead of the curve on this tour. Yep. Well, first of all, I'm a big Liverpool. There's two teams I like Liverpool and I like Juventus. Of course, I have to root for an Italian team as well. And I think, you know, the one thing that soccer has hit on, and I think, you know, with the American sports, which are obviously all great sports, but we've seen, you know, replay adopted. Now, even in soccer, they do have the VAR and they check certain things. But a soccer game still takes start to finish, and I'm going to include halftime in here, two hours. So there's a lot more action packed into it where I think when you're watching a lot of American sports, there's so many breaks, so many timeouts. You know, I'm watching the net game the other night against Memphis, and the game goes into overtime. I still don't know who came up with a five-minute overtime since five doesn't go into 48, and they were viewing a bunch of plays. And it's, it's, everything is just too slow where, you know, the soccer, and I, mean, you, and I know you've gained an appreciation for it. You know, the game moves fast. They're intense. The English Premier League is great because it's, you know every game is a rivalry. They try to make it say, well, it's the two teams from London. It's the two teams from Northern England, the, the Merseyside teams, Liverpool versus Everton. They try to make you know Man City versus uh, Man United. Uh, uh, you know, they, every game seems like it's a rivalry, and it means so much to the fans. And Mike, you know the other thing too, which is interesting, and you know this from you know going to a million sporting events over your life. When we go to sports in this country. The arena tells us when to cheer. And it's all this like manufactured kind of cheering and noise where over in Europe, especially with the soccer, the fans have their own chance. And the things that they do, there's nothing. Yeah, they might play music before the game and at halftime, but during the game, it's up to the fans to provide the noise. And it, it's, it's original, it's unique, and it really adds to kind of the whole scene of what's going on. We're talking to my buddy Frankie. I saw Frank, I'll tell you, and I've told you this before. One of the best days I ever had in sports was during the World Cup, the year that Landon Donovan scored the goal to beat Algeria. Yep. Okay, we, we ended up losing uh, uh, to Ghana, I think, in, in the next round. Yep. And we, the boys and I, were over there for, for Wimbledon. And, and there was an English game on about the same time. And so we're, we're trying to find a place in London where we can watch the game. And we finally, we finally found a place near Trafalgar Square, Frank, called the Texas Embassy Cantina. I swear to God, the <laughs> Texas Embassy Cantina. And, and every American in town had gravitated to this place. And Frank, it was like the garden for a big game when they used to play big games at the garden in basketball. It was like Yankee Stadium. And, and there were people from Seattle and Chicago. And it was just one of the most wonderful sports experiences I've ever had. And it was a soccer game bringing all those Americans together. No, it, it's great. And I remember that year I was, you know, you know I'm not Mike Lupica. I'm not at Wimbledon. I was home and I brought my son <laughs> to a local bar. Because remember the time of the game, it's in the morning. So we went to a bar in town because we knew a lot of people would be there. But where we were kind of standing, like we didn't really have a great view. So at halftime, we went to our house. And when Landon Donovan scored that goal, my son and I were running around our house like two like knuckleheads, like in the middle of the day, yeah. going nuts. Hey, you know, you see it with the, you know, what happens with the women's team. That's why it was such a disappointment when the U.S. didn't make the last World Cup in Russia. And for me, it really stuck because Italy didn't make it either. It really is. I'll tell you this, Mike. When they made the World Cup in Brazil and they made it to the knockout round and they played Belgium and the time of the games back here in the East Coast was great. The games were coming on at 6 o'clock at night, which is a great time 
to have a game. I was in New York City earlier in the day. I, if I had a nickel for every person walking around with a USA jersey on, I wouldn't have to work anymore. It was, it was so cool to see that many people caught up in it. Yeah, and, and, and Frank, before we get to basketball, but again, there's such wonderful appeal for this game, this sport now, more than ever in this country. Why do you think the popularity has grown in our country and, and made it a television sport? Because, I mean, NBC Sports made a big bet on, on, on you know, the beautiful game, okay? But why do you think it's taken off the way it has the, the, over the past several years? It's funny. I think people who I think people started to gain a greater appreciation for it. And I think the timing of it. First of all, the English Premier League is the best league in the world, just in terms of entertainment. So you're getting the games here. So when people say soccer is not popular in the country, I always say yes, it is. People are watching the English Premier League, which is the best league. The MLS is a good league, but it's not one of the best leagues in the world. It's like going to uh, like Italy for basketball. Yes, it's good there, but it's never going to be as good as the NBA, but I think people, people started to adopt teams, but people were watching it now all the time. I think they started to understand the game better. And there's a ton of big stars that play, uh, especially in England. I think people, the fantasy, you know, playing fantasy soccer has something to do with it as well. And I think too, I just think people today, you know, you have to invest a lot for a baseball game to watch it start to finish. Same thing with an NFL game, an NBA game. But soccer, you know what? If the game is going to start at 11 o'clock and you have something to do at 1.30, you know that you're going to be able to do that at 1.30 because the game is going to be over. I think even the timing of it, you mentioned it. It never used to be a great TV sport. It's the best TV sport now. And Frank, I was telling Frankie this yesterday. We were talking on the telephone. And I said, you know, I really had sort of organized my Sunday around Tottenham-Liverpool. Exactly. And and I knew it was starting at 1230. And I, I'd gone out to pick up lunch for Taylor and me. And I came back. And it's 1235. Frankie, they're playing. <laughs> they're, they're going. <laughs> and you missed. And exactly. You missed the goal. That's what I, that's I what did. I missed Kane's goal. Yep. It's, it starts on time and it ends. And I tell people all the time. You want to say soccer is boring? Guess what? There are some boring games, but I know this. If the game is boring, it's still going to be over in two hours. It's not going to to be four hours of boring. It's going to be two hours. And Frankie, two years ago, I'll just tell you one more Wimbledon story. Um, uh, Your your buddy Zach Lupik and I were on a a dad. He was the only one who could go. And we we snuck over for a few days of, of Wimbledon, but it was at the height of when people were really believing that England might win the World Cup. Yeah, it was great. And we went to this pub. And I, I'm, I'm trying to think. It might have been the Columbia game. Where, where was the? What was the game where Kane scored the penalty? Uh, uh, the, I, I think it was Columbia. Okay. So I anyway, Frank. Somehow we get a table at this insane pub. It, again, one of the great sports. I wrote a column about it for 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 the Daily News. And and I we're, we're and and Zach. And you know, it's it's why he was great in 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 soccer because in chaos he he's completely calm. And and there's a play, but right before that. They have a corner kick and he turns to me over the noise and he said, Dad, they've been calling takedowns in the box this whole tournament. He said, somebody's going to take down Kane here and he's going to get a penalty kick. Frank, it happened, okay? It 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 happened, okay? And I looked at him, and that was the night. Of course, it looked like that. Then they were going to lose later on. And no, no, it's it's the it, it is a beautiful, what a great game. experience. 
All right, I'm talking to Frankie Isola. Uh, Frank, thank God, you know, before we get to the, the good teams in the NBA, thank God the Knicks saved their season because, Frankie, I swear to God, I was reading that it was a must-win at home <laughs> against that powerhouse Chicago Bulls team last night. And, and how about the fact that the Bulls are up 98-90, to 3.33 to go, and the Bulls don't score another point the rest of the game. <laughs> Give the Knicks credit. They, they went on a 15-0 run. Bobby Portis had a big game, hadn't done anything in his first three games. And then yeah, I, I still think the best thing about the Knicks is that R.J. Barrett, who, you know, the, the Knicks had the third pick. He was going to be the third player taken in the draft. So it's not like they did any, you know, outside-the-box thinking. But he's on their team, and he's, he's played well for them. I think that's been the most optimistic thing. But remember, you know, they're down 18 points against the Bulls, and they were down eight with 3.30 to go. So they were pretty close falling to 0-4, but uh, Bobby Portis came through for them, that's for sure. The, Barrett just said, and not only is he a good player, Frankie, he seems like a terrific kid, and you know, th- there's going to be questions now about Zion going forward, and and and, and his his physical state, and, and the kid in Memphis is going to be great. He's great already. Morant, is, he's, he's great yeah. already. Yeah, and I, I watched Morant play against the uh, Nets. That was the, the first game that Morant had won, and he had said before the game, it was tough because you know, he lost his first two games in um, in the NBA. He hadn't lost two games in a row since he was, I think, a freshman in in high school. But the kid Morant, you know, he came into that game. He had he had scored a total of twenty four points in his first two games. He had seventeen in the fourth quarter, yep. and that's going up against Kyrie Irving. He blocked Kyrie Irving's shot, and I think for Zion, it's tough. You know, it's you know, you want he brings so much joy to the game, and he plays with so much joy. But it just seems like a guy that's big, no matter how you cut it, Mike. The guy has started out his NBA career with more surgeries than points. It stinks. Yep, it really it does. does. And I think that was always going to be the risk, whoever took him. There was such great excitement. And again, you know, he'll he'll get healthy, hopefully, and he'll or play. All right, Frankie, I'm going to ask you a question. Bob Ryan and I were doing the Sports Reporters podcast yesterday, and this was my parting shot. And And I'm not, and I set it up this way. I'm not talking about the careers they've had. I'm talking about the players that they are right now this season going forward, would you rather have Kawhi Leonard or LeBron James? Oh, no, it's, it's, it's got to be Kawhi Leonard. LeBron, I was surprised. I don't know about you, Mike, but that opening night game with LeBron. All right, so here's LeBron. He hasn't played since March. So, you know, it was the longest offseason that the guy's ever had. And to be fair, he probably earned it. Even All he did was go to the finals eight straight years. Right. He played a ton of games. He's played a ton of minutes. But I, I would have thought that all that time off, you're playing the Clippers. It's, you know, Kawhi Leonard went to the Clippers. The game, of course, is going to be a nationally televised game. I thought it, that he was going to come out on fire. I thought that if he had, a, like, a, a not-so-great game, it would be, like, the second or third game. I was surprised, kind of, like, how slow he looked in that game, and he was deferring a lot. So I get it. They've won, you know, some games since then. Their schedule has actually been pretty beneficial. But I was surprised by the way that he looked, and maybe it's starting to catch up to him a little bit, which is which is only natural, but I just wonder how he's going to look over the course of a season. You know, can he play? Remember, last year Mike was only fifty-five games. Yep. Is LeBron going to get you to seventy? Because you know, he and Anthony Davis, like Anthony Davis, look at his career; he misses a lot of games too. It, I'm not so sure they can afford to do that on this Laker team and be a playoff team. So right now, it looks good for them. But in, like Kawhi Leonard's just at a different level. I mean, the guy 
He's, you know, they call him the dynasty killer, right? Because he killed the, the uh, Heat dynasty. He killed off the <laughs> Warriors dynasty. You can make the case that he killed off the Spurs dynasty when he, when he has to be traded. Right. So I, I just think he's at a different level. I think you could send him back. I actually think you could send him back. He could kill the Ming dynasty too. But, but we're talking to my buddy, Fra- Frankie. Um, um, let's let's stay with this conversation for a second because I think it's fascinating. Because here here's a couple of points I always make about Kawhi. He's had way better a career than people think, and he just reminded everybody um, last spring. He's he's been the MVP of the finals twice, and oh by the way. <laughs> He's got one less championship in his career than LeBron does. And yeah. and and Frank, when I saw the other day that he had turned 28 in the summer, doesn't it seem like it should be 38? Doesn't it seem yeah. like he we've been talking about Kawhi forever. Forever. He's 28, LeBron will be 35 in December. I always point out he's got the same birthday as Tiger Woods. He's going to be 35 in December. And it's the old Indiana Jones line, Frankie. It's not, it's not always the years. It's the mileage. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why over the summer, you know, yes, you know, Kevin Durant, a lot of teams wanted to sign him, but you're also signing a guy that's coming off a torn Achilles and having surgery. But Kawhi Leonard was the big one for both the LA teams. Cause you know, everybody knew that he wanted, if he was going to leave Toronto, he was going to L.A. That's where he wanted to play. And I think that's why it was such a race to get him. And, you know, the Clippers, what they were able to pull off, it's it's just as remarkable as what the Nets were able to pull off. Because, you know, they're the second team in town, but they've done enough to kind of establish themselves as a legitimate franchise that players want to go to. And for Kawhi to want to go there as he's entering the prime. And like you mentioned, you know, the age that he's at, he's already beaten LeBron James in a final. And all right, so the Warriors were a little beaten up. He still won. And he's been the MVP now in two finals. And when he plays, he's as good as anybody. He plays both ends of the court, and he's so darn strong. Go back and watch the clip of when Kevon Looney got hurt, when they collided. Kevon Looney's a big guy. He collided with um, Kawhi Leonard. He was off of his feet. That's how big and strong Kawhi Leonard is. Frankie, when you look, we'll we'll stay in the Western Conference for for just a couple minutes. Because as usual, it, it it is loaded. Okay, um, are are you are you buying or selling on this notion that the Nuggets actually might be ready and talented enough to take it to the next level? I, I think they can. I think Jokic last season, you know, he put himself in a contention for the MVP. They started off pretty quick. They haven't even played that well yet, but they keep winning. I just think that the team has incredible confidence. They have a lot of good wing players that play both ends of the court. And to think that they got, you know, Nikola Jokic in the second round says a lot. I think it was disappointing the way their their year ended, losing at home in the game seven. Give C.J. McCollum a lot of credit. Everyone says that the mid-range jump shot is dead. He beat the Denver Nuggets by mostly hitting mid-range jumpers. I think they've grown from that experience. You know, we talk about it all the time. Teams have to go through kind of different stages, but I, I think they have the ability to do that. I think, I think they have a good coach in Michael Malone, who you and I know really well. We knew when he, you know, we knew him when he first started out. I, I, I think they're definitely a legitimate team. But do you think the Clippers are the best team in the West? And again, the caveat here is the health of Paul George. If Paul George is healthy, I think they're the best, but he's got to stay healthy, Frankie. Yeah, he does. And I think what's impressive about the Clippers and, you know, give Doc Rivers, Lawrence Frank, the entire organization a lot of credit because they traded away Tobias Harris last year and they still made the playoffs. 
Yeah. And, you know, they made the playoffs with a, you know, with a really strong bench with Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell. You throw into it Patrick Beverly. What I love about them, they just have hard-playing competitive guys. And I think that, that don't mind playing a role, that don't mind coming off the bench. Then you add into the mix. Now you add Kawhi Leonard and eventually Paul George. You have two more guys that play both ends of the court. I To me, they just look more like a complete team. And I think them being in the playoffs last year is huge for them. You know, they, they were trading away guys and still were a playoff team in the Western Conference, whereas LeBron and Anthony Davis are trying to elevate a non-play. I mean, it's been six years. It's hard to believe. I mean, this is the Lakers we're talking about. The Knicks, I get it. They're also at six years in counting, not making the play. This is the Lakers have gone six years without making it. And, you know, I, th- I think, yes, they have experienced players on the team, but when you're coming together for the first time as a group, it's not always easy to, to put it all together in year one. Frankie, again, I'm I'm looking at the standings right now, and it you know it's always fun to speculate after just a handful of games uh, have been played. But I'm telling you something: if if you're betting on the come here, you got to bet on the Dallas Mavericks. And and explain to me again, Frank, because you know you know you follow this more closely. I got a you know I got a lot going on. I'm always doing a lot of things. Tell me again why it was a good thing for Kristaps Porzingis to be traded by the New York Knicks. Yeah, and so you have all these teams now, and it's all it's it's all about having two guys like the Lakers have, and of course like the Clippers have, and then you look at you know Dallas, they have two guys, and they're both really young, and they're both European players who played in an organization Dallas that had Dirk Nowitzki, the greatest European player in the history of the league. So the organization, the fan base, everyone kind of is used to having a European player as your top player, and when you go back to the Knicks. You know, when the Knicks traded, you know, Chris Eppersingas, first they sold you on the fact that it was for cap space. Well, then with the cap space, they didn't get the guys that they wanted. They didn't get Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard. Then it was, well, we got Dennis Smith Jr., and you see how that's working out. You know, he's he's had injuries in his career, but he's not, you know, like a, it, it's not worth trading Chris Eppersingas for Dennis Smith. And then they said, you know, what well, we do have two future first-round picks from Dallas. Well, first of all, who knows how good those picks will be if Dallas has a, uh, good seasons. But what you're hoping to do with those picks is then get a player as good as the guy that you drafted. So if you go back and you don't trade Przingis, and forget about Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, even though you can make the case that the combination of Przingis with R.J. Barrett might have attracted those guys to come to New York, at the very least right now, you can have Kristaps Przingis and R.J. Barrett. Wouldn't that be a pretty good place to start if you were the Knicks? So instead of Przingis and R.J. Barrett, Dallas has Przingis and Luka Doncic, Advantage Dallas. And a reminder that today's episode of the Mike Lubicka Podcast with Frank Isola is being sponsored by Kronos. Kronos knows that many organizations maintaining a modern workforce of hourly, full, and part-time workers, for them, it can be a challenge. This is especially true for human resources professionals working hard to attract and retain all the best talent. That's why Kronos puts HR, payroll, talent, and timekeeping on a single cloud-based platform. It's one specially designed to give HR professionals supporting a blended workforce a whole new level of confidence. With it, they have everything they need to tackle nearly any human resources challenge and are empowered to not just find and hire the right people, but to engage, motivate, and reward them every single step of the way. Learn more about Kronos HR solutions for the modern workforce and the people who support them because Kronos is at heart 
of people business at chronos.com slash HR swagger chronos workforce innovation that works Frank people forget this because he was out with the injury Porzingis is just 24 years old Donkic is 20 years old you talk about building blocks these are building blocks if they're blessed with good health for 10 years and oh by the way they have a great coach down there you know and you know cuban is hot to win again i i think the mavericks you know they they listen they they have depth issues obviously but they you know they they do have some pretty good they have the brunson kid who i've always liked they got hardaway jr coming off the bench they've got some talent there but again they have a dynamic duo for years and years and years and as you're right (laughs) at a place that considers itself sort of the capital of European basketball. Yeah, it, it, it still makes no sense. And I think Porzingis, the big thing with him, and you mentioned it, is health. He has to prove that he could be healthy. And, you know, last year, could he have come back late in the season? Of course. So they held him out the whole year because they figured we'll just reload for this season. But I think Dallas has done a better job making him feel welcome, making him want to be a part of it here. It just, you know, I still don't understand the Knicks, I, you know, you hear people talk, and they said one of the only smart things the Knicks did in the last 10 years was they drafted Chris Aprazingis. And, hey, give, you know, Phil Jackson didn't do a lot of good things here, if anything, but he did draft Chris Aprazingis. And it's just weird that they were so quick to get rid of him. I know they're going to spend, well, he didn't want to be here. All right, well, let's look at it. Why did he want to be here? Are the Knicks yeah. ever going to take any accountability on that? You know, I was just looking at the Mavericks roster. I for, you know, I Frankie, I forgot they picked up Seth Curry, who I, you know, who yeah. who, who I really, really like. And you, obviously, we're both a little partial to the Brunson kid, you know, for obvious yeah. reasons. But again, they are a team to watch. The only game they've lost so far, they lost a two pointer at home to the Portland Trailblazers. I, th- Frank, I really think they're going to be in the mix because again, if those two kids stay healthy, th- 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 you're looking at like. 60 points every night out of the two of them. Yeah, and the, you know, the, the game that they lost to Portland, that was a, a big play where they, uh, Terry Stotts used a coach's challenge and they, got a rever- and they got a call reversed against Damian Lillard, which kind of sealed the win for Portland. So Dallas clearly had a chance to win that night. You mentioned it before. You know, the coach, Rick Carlisle, is outstanding. I love the way that Doncic has already played. Porzingis is doing a lot more. He's blocking a lot of shots, and he did, his body, you look at him physically, and you knew this was going to happen. When he first came into the league, you know, he looked like you could knock him over with a feather. He was always going to get a little bit bigger. That was only naturally. He's hit the weights clearly, but you look at the game that he has, the ability to knock down three-point shots, the ability to operate in the post. I, I, Dallas must be they, – they got to be counting their lucky stars that they ever pulled that trade off because it's not easy to get players like that. And, again, he has to stay healthy. That's the one thing – that he has to prove. But the trade, from a Knicks standpoint, if I'm the Knicks, I'd be kind of happy right now if I had R.J. Barrett and Chris Epperzingis. I'd feel like I'd be in a pretty good position. And they would have gotten Barrett because regardless, Epperzingis was never going to play last season for the Knicks. They still got the number three pick. That would be the center of their team right now, Epperzingis, R.J. Barrett. Frankie, there's going to be a lot of nights. I'm going to give you the stats from the game they lost, you know, because of the stat challenge. They scored, those two kids scored 61 points between them they had 21 rebounds between them and they had 14 assists between them they are good frankie they are going to be really fun to watch yeah and it's not often right you know you look at what 
Dallas did. And, you know, for Nowitzki, give him a lot of credit. He knew that he was going to retire last year. He didn't want a retirement tour. But his body was breaking down. And it's not easy to kind of go from one franchise player and that quickly have two guys like that. Now, Doncic, because he's the homegrown guy, the fans are already chanting MVP for him. Now, I don't know how Przingis takes that. Is that going to impact him? You hope that he doesn't get caught up in some of that stuff that sometimes could, you know, uh, you know, start to break apart two young players. I hope that doesn't mean that much to him. But to your point, they, they have what every team wants and very few teams have, the two stars. They have two budding stars on their team. Clippers, Lakers have established stars. Steph Curry, Klay Thompson established. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving established stars. When you're going to teams with two young stars, Dallas goes to the uh, front of the list. And Frankie, I'd have to go across the league, but I, I don't think it's possible that there is a team whose two best players have a combined age of 44. Yeah, I mean, I, I would guess, like, the, the two guys that everybody, you know, I'm sure Minnesota would love for them to be there, and Carl Anthony Towns has done more than Andrew Wiggins, but Andrew Wiggins has already had a good game. He had a great game against Miami where you would, you know, I, I think the the Timberwolves are hoping that they could be the guys. Jimmy Butler certainly didn't think they would be the guys, but who knows, maybe at some point Andrew Wiggins could turn it around and become a star, but I would still take the two guys on Dallas ahead of them. By the way, as we're having this conversation, Frankie, I saw it pop up that one of the great characters in the history of the league, Al Bianchi, has passed yeah. at the age of 87. Frankie, uh, you know, I obviously Paul Westfall's my dear friend. I was I was in the trenches for the 76 finals, and everybody knows that in Game 5, Richie Powers ignored <laughs> Paul Silas trying to call timeout that probably would have won, the would have given the Suns a technical in the game, and they would have gone home up three games to two. Do you? I don't know if you know this. Bianchi had a championship ring made for himself after that because, <laughs> and and you know what the inscription was inside Frank? No. F you, Richie Powers. <laughs> <laughs> you know. You know. It's weird. Uh, I'm trying to think what year it was. It was within the last three years. I get a phone call out of the blue, and it's Al Bianchi. Yeah. And he asked me, uh, you know, how long I was covering the Knicks. I told him. And I, th- I think he might have been working on a book. Oh, no kidding. He was, yeah, he was trying to get – he was, like, kind of asking me about, like, the Knicks in the late 90s and, you know, in the 2000s. And then he started talking to me about his time there. Obviously, I knew his story. I never I never covered Albianca. I know, like, you know, he and Rick Pitino had, had clashed when, you know, one was a GM and Rick Pitino – was coaching the team, but he was a really uh, nice guy to talk to. It was funny listening to him because, you know, you know, there people get to a certain age, they don't care anymore. Like he's not trying to be nasty, but he was just being like brutally honest with me. And we were having a really good laugh. He seemed like a nice guy. And it was sad to see what happened. You know, it's, it's, it, he, he, again, he, he went all the way back to like the Syracuse Nationals. I mean, he had this incredible, ex- he had this extraordinary, I'm looking at a picture of him. I think there is a book. Um, uh, I, I think there's a book. I just looked it up, Journeyman, 70 years along the sidelines of pro hoop history. But in the picture, Frank, if you look it up today, there's a ring with a blue stone. That's Al's. That's great. Frank Championship. Talking to my pal Frankie Isola um, on, on the Mike Lupica podcast. We're talking NBA basketball. Again, you see him all over the place on, on ESPN. And, 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 but, and by the way, and by the way, who told ESPN to put Frank Isola on the sports reporters? Who did? Who did? <laughs> who told them that? Who did, Frankie? Mike, I, I send you a check every month. So, you know, I mean, you are getting something back. 
I don't know. You, you know, never you, call me on my birthday. You've got to find your Steve from me. All right. So, so Frank, let's go to the Eastern Conference now. Um, is it finally the 76ers time or or are, are the Celtics going to live up to their own aspirations this year? You know, I watched uh, Philadelphia's game against Atlanta. Atlanta had been 2-0 and on the season. Trey Young was playing well. And late in the game, you know, you, you start seeing what could affect them in the playoffs. Last year when they played Toronto, it was clear that Jimmy Butler was their go-to guy. And last night they started to find – or I should say when they played Atlanta, they started to find Joel Embiid, and Joel Embiid at 36 points. More importantly, he was 10 of 10 from the free throw line. And late in the game when they needed a basket, Joel Embiid got the ball. The good news, he wasn't standing 30 feet from the hoop. He was actually in the paint using his big body, and when they threw the entry pass to him, he had an angle, and all Atlanta could do was foul him. And they fouled him in a, in a close game. I believe at the time the score might have been tied, and he sinks both free throws. And that's the thing, 10 of 10 from the line. He needs to be their go-to guy because Ben Simmons still has to prove it. Maybe he'll get to this point, you know, where he can be a consistent shooter because he still wants to, you know, score from inside the paint and he's still not taking three-point shots. Milwaukee, to me, has a little bit more experience, but the only thing that worries me about Milwaukee is that, you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo, who's a great player, is the reigning MVP. If you go back to their series against Toronto, you know, the only thing that he could do, he was just trying to bully his way to the basket. And that might be able to work during the regular season, but in the playoffs, it, Toronto adjusted to it, and he's got to develop more of a three-point game, but really more of a mid-range game. I still think Milwaukee, I, I just think that Giannis has kind of a, a Jordan quality from this standpoint. He hates to lose, and he's driven to be great. I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination he's Michael Jordan. I just think he has the right mentality, and I really think that he feels like his time is now. And Embiid, to me, has got to prove that he can stay healthy, and not only physically, you know, not only from a, you know, like his joints and his limbs and things like that. Last year, he was sick during the playoffs because he doesn't eat well enough, and he had like a stomach issues. Like that, that can't go. Like he still, to me, has to mature a little bit when it comes to taking care of his body. Can the Raptors be surprisingly good still, Frank? They can because Pascal Siakam is going to be an all-star this year. Pascal Siakam is a terrific player. He's not Kawhi Leonard, but he's going to make the all-star team this year. And what I loved about Pascal Siakam in game one of the NBA Finals, it was so refreshing to see a player score without having to stand behind the three-point line chucking up shots. He was actually scoring in the paint, and he was dominating the Golden State Warriors. And I think that experience for two guys on Toronto, Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet, who you, you would love, Mike. You, this kid is a pit bull, undrafted player who they developed and you know was terrific in the finals last year, scoring, but also defending against Steph Curry. They have guys that, yeah, Kawhi Leonard is not there. I, I understand that. But they had guys like Siakam and Van Vliet who were terrific in the NBA finals. I think that experience is only going to help them. And Kyle Lowry is, listen, Kyle Lowry is an all-star, and, and you know, he's, he plays with a ton of confidence. So don't rule out Toronto just yet because Milwaukee and, and Philadelphia have some flaws. There's no doubt about it. You had a funny tweet. I think it was opening night when the Raptors won, and you, you pointed out what their record was last year without Kawhi. <laughs> Seven, 17 and 5 in the, in the 22 games. Then, you know, well, I guess if you add it this year, they're now 20 and 6 in 26 games without Kawhi Leonard the last two years. That's pretty good. 
Frankie, what what do you make of the Celtics? You know, I'm I'm still an incredible fanboy of the the coach. I, I think Kyrie Irving and and I, if I were Danny Ainge, I would have made that deal too. It just turned out to be bad chemistry, bad fit, bad karma, all that stuff. Okay, I love Kemba. We both love Kemba Walker. I, I mean, I I remember. We had him on the front page of the Daily News when UConn was winning the national championship. His his career and his life are what I called in that column a hymn to New York City yep. and its possibilities. Yep. Okay, never a star when he got to high school, and he just played his way into the you know the big money and 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 big fame. Um, can he can can he turn things around if Hayward is healthy there? I, I think I think they definitely can. I think the chemistry will be a lot better for the Boston Celtics this year. I think Jason Tatum would do not have a great second season. I think it would be better. And what's funny about the Celtics is last year, they were everyone's pick or most people's pick to make it to an NBA final. Right. This year, they're kind of floating under the radar a little bit, and they went out and replaced Kyrie Irving with an all-star player like Kemba Walker. So now Al Hartford for them will be big because Al Hartford played uh, both ends of the court, could shoot threes, could defend, and even losing Aaron Baines – is big as well because he was a good low post defender offensively, set screens and things like that. But I think that they're a team. To me, there's three teams in the East because Indiana, you know, without Oladipo, and they lost Bogdanovich to a free agency, and he went to Utah, and he's playing really well. Bogdanovich was huge last year for Indiana. So I see Indiana falling off, and I, I definitely could see Boston being the team that could jump and be right in the mix with Philadelphia and Milwaukee, and who knows, maybe Miami will be there as well, because I think Miami is kind of floating under the radar a little bit as well. I was just going to ask you about the Miami Heat, because I believe they are, I don't even know if they're a sleeper team. You know, they, I, I you know, Jeff Van Gundy one time, we were just having a conversation, and he referred to Eric Spolster as a Hall of Fame coach, and I said, and I thought to myself, wait, wait, and then, you know what, I looked at his record, Frankie, he is a Hall of Fame coach, and he's still a yeah. kid, and he, you know, Riles has stayed with him, and Jimmy Butler, if, you know, if, if the stars are all aligned, is, you know, right now is as close as they're going to come to a, you know, a star, you know, a star to build a dream on. Okay. But I, I actually think the heat might be pretty good this year. Yeah. And you remember too, first week of the season, they go into Milwaukee on a Saturday afternoon without Jimmy Butler and they beat Giannis and the Bucks in overtime. So that that's a quality road win for a team that doesn't even have his best player yet. And I think they're kind of laying down the law in in Miami, James Johnson showed up and wasn't in shape, and they sent the, they sent him home from camp. They said, "Get yourself in shape." And then Dion Waiters had something where you know he said something inappropriate about the organization on his uh, social media. I think it was Instagram, and they ended up suspending him for one game. So I think you know Pat Riley, Eric Spolster, that organization. I think they look at themselves definitely as a playoff team, but I think they look at themselves as a playoff team that might be able to win a couple of rounds. I don't you you know there was certain franchises certain organizations and pat riley certainly falls on this category he can't live with losing he just yeah. can't that that doesn't mean he has that he always makes the right moves but i think this year going out and give, getting jimmy butler they look at themselves as a playoff team and they're clearly not putting up with any nonsense 
Frank Isola is our guest on the Mike Lubica podcast. More with Frankie in a moment, but first this from Geico. Okay, this is a 30-second commercial, and I'm going to throw a lot of numbers at you, but please stay with me, because if, if it doesn't confuse me, it's not going to confuse you. In just 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. This company has been offering great rates and great service for over 75 years. And anytime you need help, you can speak to one of their trained specialists 24-7. The company, of course, is Geico. Go to geico.com today. Sorry for all the numbers. And in five, four, three, two, one. Oh, damn it. I'm out of time. It's amazing when you look at Riles's career. And, you know, I, I, I know he, he blamed me for a lot of problems he brought on himself in New York City. But and I even want to say who, who it is because it's a resp- writer I respect. But somebody's going to take a look at the Knicks of the 1990s. Maybe you talked to the person already. But Frankie, <laughs> when you when you look back now, when you look back now, what a time that was in basketball in New York. When Riles was there, even after the way he did when Jeff came in and showed everybody how much game he had as a coach Th- those 10 years or so were as, as much fun as anything I've ever experienced in my career yeah and I think for the Knicks when Pat Riley showed up to me it was about instant credibility and when he and when he showed up it was like well this guy wants to come here yes he's got the one player in Patrick Ewing but does he really believe that he can win here and he gave the team a certain attitude and a certain playing style that really resonated with the fans. And he went from being, you know, kind of the, uh, you know, the Showtime Lakers to being the Nick team, which, you know, Greg Anthony had the famous saying, you know, we were, the, we were either going to win the game or win the fight. We were going to win right. something that, you know, on every game we were going to win something. I think that's what they brought. And to me, he just brought instant credibility, which is what he brought to the Miami Heat. Because you know, come on, Mike. Before he got there, you would look at the Miami Heat as you look kind of at the Clippers, even the Nets to some degree. It was like they're not like a real franchise. When he went there, he made them a real franchise. Yeah, I mean, it's it's forget about how he left because how he left was lousy, and and and, and nothing that has happened right. since changes that. It was lousy. Faxing right. and a resignation, and what he did to Dave Checkets, who brought him to New York. You know, we we that's all ground. But I'm telling you something, he, Riles. He does not believe that he will n- never win another NBA championship. And, and you know, he's, he's probably getting close to 75 years old now. <laughs> Frank, when I saw those pictures of him and Dwayne Wade when they were dressed up uh, like the pirates. pirates. The, yeah, that was ridiculous. <laughs> what, I, the, I, you know, sometimes stuff on Twitter really makes me laugh. And somebody, the caption on the picture from somebody on Twitter was, when did Pat Riley turn into Father Time? Which was one of the funniest <laughs> lines. That's a, that's a good line. But I do think you're right about him believing that he could win. He and I believes, think, I remember yeah. Jeff, and I, yeah. I remember Jeff Van Gundy always saying that, you know, the one thing about Pat Raleigh was every day that he woke up, he was always thinking about winning a championship. And, you know, I, and I'm not saying, I think for the longest time in New York, really over the last probably 10, 15 years, I don't think that they, that's always been their obsession. And to, I, I think they've always been about survival. And I think that sometimes separates you know, certain organizations. Like, I think the New England Patriots are like that. I think the San Antonio Spurs are like that. I think in baseball, like, you know, like organizations like the St. Louis Cardinals, which every year seem to be good, which is like they're always just thinking about winning. And that kind of becomes their upset. The Boston Red Sox are like that. The Yankees, like, that's that's their only obsession. I think that's what still drives Pat Riley after all these years. 
And I'll tell you something. You just referenced the Boston Red Sox, Frankie, and I, I, I think about them when I look at the front office situation with the New York Knicks. And, you know, there was great controversy that, that John Henry, the owner who is, is and I, I say this with no pejorative emphasis, he's ruthless, okay? He's not afraid yeah. to tear things down. And there's a reason. There's been one constant, one constant in Boston over these four World Series, and that's the owner, okay? So he yeah. fires Dave Dombrowski, and, and Frank, he doesn't just get some sort of puppet who does he go get he goes get heim booth he goes and gets the best young guy in the business a guy whose team went five games with the astros in the division series with the lowest payroll in baseball and that's why the red sox are, are well it's one of the reasons why the red sox are the red sox and why the knicks are the knicks yeah and i think in new york it's always like about it's about being comfortable like who are the guys that you know will follow orders and things like that. I just don't think like the, the Knicks way of doing things hasn't worked. And I think, you know, you bring up the Red Sox, you could bring up the Patriots too. Their way works because they have the track record over the last 20 years to prove that it works. I mean, now, you know, you know, for how many, for the longest time, it was the woe is me Red Sox. Now kind of they're the evil empire. They're the team that always wins. I mean, you talk about, and you mentioned it, they won the world series last year and they got rid of their general manager. Yeah. They figured, you know what? We're not going to stand for this. We're, we're going we're gonna to do something else. Try a different approach. Go after one of the best young guys in the business. Throw a lot of money at him, and then we'll be off and running. All right, couple more questions. Frankie's nice enough to, to, to talk to me after he's done talking for a living. Okay, go back to the West. Two teams I want to talk about, the Warriors and the Rockets. Frankie, do you think Harden-Westbrook can win? And then the other question, you can take both of them in any order you want to. What's Steph Curry thinking right now, all, all dressed up in a fancy new arena and no place to go? You know what? I, I think that the Rockets can win. I think the fact that uh, Westbrook and Harden have played together before, and I think you know the one thing about Russell Westbrook, doesn't always make the best decisions on the court, but he's always going to play hard. He, he wants to defend. He wants to win. He's got an edge to him. I think that'll be good. I still think Harden could score you know, with 10 guys on him. As for the Warriors, you know, I look at that team – uh, you know what? What team is going to lose Kevin Durant to free agency, trade Andre Iguodala, lose Sean Livingston to retirement, and then you have Clay Thompson hurt and might not play this season? Think about the the talent, the scoring, the leadership that puts a lot on Steph Curry. I'm not saying he's not up to it, but the Western Conference is talented, and I, you know the one thing about the Warriors, I'm not so sure they did a great job filling out their bench this year especially the fact that Clay Thompson might miss most, if not all, of the season. So Steve Kerr said it last year. I wonder if we could take a gap year. If things started to turn really sour for them, and it looks like all hope is lost, are they going to start running Steph Curry into the ground and making him play between 75 and 82 games? I'm not so sure that's going to happen. I think they might start thinking about regrouping for next year. Frankie, do you think that once the Warriors get through this season, and let's say they get a great draft choice, okay? And I don't, uh, you, you, you probably know better what kind of draft this is going to be, okay? Are they, will they still, because of Steph and Draymond, as much of a chowderhead as Draymond can be, he's, he's so talented, can they be a destination, say for somebody like Giannis, if Giannis gets tired of oh, being in Oh, the, yes. It, in fact, if, you know, and I hope the Bucks keep him. I'd love to see Giannis and Tedekopo stay there financially. It's right, uh, right. Beneficial for him to stay there. But the team that he's been linked to has been the Golden State Warriors. And I think 
That is the brilliance of Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. They're both great players, but they're not about this is my team and you know everyone has to cater to me. You cannot ask for two more humble superstars than those guys. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that their dads played in the NBA and you know their dads are humble people, you know, who are very good players in their own right. And I just it, it's the Warriors are so lucky you know, that they not only drafted two great players, they drafted two great guys. I mean, Clay Thompson is a gem. I mean, like too bad oh, like yeah. he wasn't around in the nineties playing for the Knicks. I mean, he would have been he's just a and I've spent some time around him. He's got a great sense of humor. He doesn't take he doesn't take himself too seriously. He takes his job seriously and he wants to win. But those are the kind of guys that great players want to play with. And I think you saw it with Kevin Durant, and you'll see it with other guys. Those two guys will attract because they're going to make you better. There's no question about it. Frank Isola is one of the most talented guys in the business. And you know what? He's one of the toughest because he spent about 20 years having the Knicks try to do everything possible to, to make his career. It, no, it's true. And, and Frank, for all the stuff they did to drag you down, how did it work out for you? Okay? How did it work out for you? Turn on ESPN. There he is. Turn on the radio. There he is. Um, read The Athletic. There he is. So things worked out uh, p- pretty good for my friend Frank Isola. Um, we don't have him on and off. I'll, I'll start bothering him now that it's the NBA season again. Uh, continue to download and subscribe. Go to Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, Apple Podcast. Leave a comment. Give us a good rating because you see how fast the last 45 minutes uh, have gone. Frankie, thank you so much. Hey, Mike, you were always been a mentor to me. Anytime you want me to come on, just give me a day warning, a 24-hour warning from the great Mike Lupica. You got it. Frankie, thanks again for doing this. Thank you. The great Frank Isola on the Mike Lupica podcast. Um, again, we just have an awful lot of fun doing this. Um, I'm expecting Daniel Dale of CNN will join us on Thursday. Until then, be well, everybody. The Mike Lupica podcast is produced and distributed by Compass Media Networks in conjunction with Hiltzik Creative. For iPhone users, go to the podcast app and search the Mike Lupica podcast. Click on the Mike Lupica podcast icon and subscribe. For non-iPhone users, you can listen on Google Play Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast platform. 